Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Song bro. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome in to episode number 78 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Stafford with my co-host Jesse Taylor and we are the Babes on Broad brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. It's officially NFL season or off season. But before we take a look at the initial Philadelphia Eagles free agents, Jess, give me a real quick opinion on the Super Bowl. I was just glad it was a good game. Honestly, like I agree. I, I at this point, especially with the way that the playoffs went, like we just wanted to really see a good game, right? Like we didn't think that after divisional weekend, like it was going to get any better. And there were still really good games after that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, I think that was just sort of what, what you wanted. Um, I think that any sort of controversy, I guess, was evened out by some of those weird penalties that weren't called. I think there were two, obviously there was the Jalen Ramsey yeah, the face, uh, mask. face mask call, but then there was also, I mean, on that final touchdown play, the goal line hold. Yeah, the goal line hold, and there were a bunch of false starts that that weren't called as well on that drive um, by both tackles on the Rams and and things like that. So, I think ultimately it was a really good game, um, and it was it was fun to watch. I I wanted the Bengals to win way more. Um, I think everybody did because you always just like, I mean, the Rams were like the NFL super team this year you know what I mean they build up they had so many stars on that defense so I think it kind of just like you wanted to root for the underdog and Joe Burrow just has that swag to him that you're like yeah yeah and I think you know most people were happy to see Matthew Stafford get a ring like and and same with like you want Aaron Donald to get a ring like I think they're a they're not a not likable team like they're not that villain team Mm -hmm. when when you talk about super team you usually think of like the team that everybody hates and that they're like, they're the villain almost. And that's not sort of how I at least view them. But for me, I just, I hate Sean McVay's face so much. <laughs> I just really, that's, that's so many one who I didn't want to see get that ring because he just bothers me. I don't know why. It's because he gives off this like arrogance. Like he deserves everything. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude, you're good at your job. I'll give you that. But like, don't act like you're better than everybody. Yeah. And, and then he just gives that vibe off. He really does. And it, it, it just, it irks me. I don't know what yeah. it, it just, his face. I, I don't enjoy it. I don't like his face, but I agree. I do. I, I love the game as well. I was happy. It was a great game, but it was like, it was super sad to see Odell go down with that non-contact knee injury. And we were just talking about it. It still hasn't come out what it was, but um, at least like, or not at least, but it did look like it was an ACL, unfortunately, but I'm sure Sometime this week, we'll hear what it actually was. Um, but I did think that the video of him at the parade yesterday. 
I don't know. I didn't see I the didn't parade see was anything. pathetic. Oh, the, the parade. I mean, there are more people. People line up earlier to see parades in Disney World. Than Dude, they I feel like after. honestly, there are more people in the streets of LA on a normal day than yesterday for the parade. It's almost like people were just like, oh, the parade's happening. Like I'm going to avoid the city. It's my usual route, but I'm not going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, it was pathetic. It was, pathetic. It was really, really. Pathetic. I feel bad for the players because it's not their fault. They wanted to celebrate and they just have a poor fan base. But um, going along with that, I, my original point of all this yes. was OBJ. I feel like that game did make me and a lot of other people just like him a whole lot more for the fact that he showed emotion and he was a real person. I mean, he was crying in the national anthem and then he was starting off great. I mean, he, the way he was starting, everybody was like, this guy has a chance to be the MVP. And then unfortunately that knee injury and you saw how much that hurt him. And then at the end, you saw him bawling his eyes out, just so grateful that he was even part of the team finally get the ring. So I think that was one of the plus sides of the Rams winning too. Is it made like the context of, OBJ's in locker room cancer and then you really saw him and then a lot of what his other teammates congratulating him from other teams and stuff were saying about him so I liked that aspect as well I really hope Odell's dad gets a ring too he deserves one he absolutely (laughs) deserves he deserves a Super Bowl ring as well I need the Rams to make either that or like a front office job or a player agent job or something anything I think yeah he he needs a ring at the very least because my god it's it is it is so wild though to to look at how that unfolded and the fact that what was it he didn't have a a touchdown in like weeks and he's had a touchdown every week since week eight since he got traded out there I mean it really is kind of crazy. You can see how some of this happens, and I think it'll be really interesting. I think the NFL next year is going to be really interesting as a whole. I think that there are a lot of things that are going to be different. Obviously, you're going to be possibly without you know three of the best quarterbacks that we've had the opportunity to watch in our lifetime. Obviously, the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and and you know you don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Ben retired as well, so. There's that that's going to be different. It's going to be also really interesting to see how a lot of these teams respond to when they were bounced in the playoffs or respond to how the playoffs unfolded. Like, it's going to be interesting. I agree. And I think the North unfolds, like with the Bengals that were at the top here and then the Ravens and what are they going to do? They have some things they got to shuffle around. What the heck are the Steelers going to be? And the Browns now Mm -hmm. have to like stew in this, fact that they what they just watched from losing Odell like I think there's a lot of things that are going to be really really interesting throughout this offseason I agree and just around the league as a whole I mean we saw it and that's why the playoffs were so good to watch and such good games because everybody's kind of at an even level right now right and I mean obviously that's probably the best way for the NFL but things are obviously going to change so it's going to be interesting to see what all these teams that are sitting at the top or rising to the top Who's going to make the moves to get them to that number one obvious contender kind of spot? Because right now, I mean, normally, uh, I would say most years at least, like you would have an idea of who's going to repeat, who you're going to see next year in the Super Bowl, and all those kind of future bets. But right now, you look at it and you're just like, eh, like Bengals, Joe Burrow, if they fix that O line, they could return. Then obviously, the Rams, depending who they bring back, they could return. 
And then you got the teams that didn't even make it there. Like the Bills, they could do it. The Chiefs, they could do it. It's just so many options right now. And you don't know. Like you said, there's so many unanswered things. Where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? I think especially it just came out that he just um, – I guess he was engaged to Shailene, Shailene Woodley or whatever, the actress. Yeah. But um, it came out that they, they broke up now. They called yeah. it quits. So I, th- I think lifestyle-wise, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to Denver. But- I really just think – yeah. And and you, you make such a good point because also, you know, these teams that – the Rams and and the Bengals are not excluded from this either. But, you know, some of these teams that didn't get it done all the way, they can't just stay stagnant either. The Bengals mm-hmm. can't just stay where they are. Obviously, they have to fix it. They're the all really close. It's but, just a piece but, or two away. Right. But, but even, you know, just fixing the offensive line isn't going to be enough for the Bengals to automatically return to the Super Bowl. You know, they're going to have to do – other things and and change things up and I think that was probably one of the Eagles biggest mistakes after they won the Super Bowl is they the nostalgia took over and I don't think that anybody I think when looking at it now sure you know hindsight is 2020 and in, in what you want to change but also in the it, at that time no one wanted anything other than that same team that feel good you, you wanted to give everybody a hug. You felt like you were part of a family sitting in the stands with that team. Mm-hmm. No, nobody had, nobody argued with that. Right. Like, no. And it, it, it's so funny to look back real quick, just on it now, because like, you're right. We love that team. And we, we really let that kind of manipulate us and like, yeah. get, like get us on our feels for that fact, because like looking back on it, we were the underdogs for a reason. We didn't have the best team on the roster or roster wise. And we're just like, yeah, run it back, bring back all these old guys that somehow miraculously did this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was Philadelphia's fault for, I mean. And it's fine. You know what? Honestly, honestly, like, I don't even, I don't regret it. It's not. I don't know how to act. And it was the best time ever. It was the best time ever. We rode that high. And I, you know, would love to have that feeling again, but I, I'm. I'm, you know what, like I'm complete with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, wow, if they really would have done X, Y, Z instead. No, it's not with, but that's, that's ultimately, I think that was probably their biggest mistake of why the new norm didn't become the new norm. So I think that's what, you know, a lot of these teams have to make sure because, you know, the Bengals aren't guaranteed to, to be back there again. The, you know, the Patriots obviously, put you know laid an absolute egg when they play the bills but they're not a bad football team right so you know they could easily figure it out enough to to get to where they need to go to be able to be in contention in the afc as well and so you you know there's a lot of unanswered questions and i think we talked about it all season long it was kind of anyone's nfl this year Mm -hmm. and i think that there's really an opportunity for that next year which it was way more fun. <laughs> like, no, I agree. And dominate all the time. And speaking of the division, so obviously right now, if you look on paper, the Cowboys are still the top of the NFC East, or at least the favorite of the NFC East for good reason. But that's where this offseason comes into play. And we're going to take a look at the Eagles free agents and how they can approve or improve to hopefully take down the Cowboys, which is very possible. And that's the thing is like the Eagles have a good base. Like, honestly, for me, Devontae Smith's all you need for a good base. You I know just what I mean? think it's really funny 
that every year we look at this and say, yes, the Cowboys are the best on paper. And then they do what they do. And it's I know. Well, so horrifically funny. Yeah, I was watching um, Skip and Shannon yesterday. And it's just so funny to hear because obviously Shannon was clowning Skip about it. But it's obviously. so funny because like Jerry Jones and like that front office, they are so good at drafting. Like it's not a secret. Oh. They're so good at drafting. They draft great people. But yes. for Tell some reason, whether they – Yeah, like whether they – pull in successful free agents or they draft really good people. And then like, they just don't do it in Dallas. Like they can't all click in Dallas, but then the free agents, like I said, before they came in, they were great. So it wasn't like it's the actual player. And then you see all the guys they draft when they eventually get rid of them, they have success elsewhere. It's just something like about the culture of the locker room, I guess. I don't know. Like they just can't click and thank God for us. I mean, I love to see it. You're bad. I think their head coaching selections and their philosophy that I, I think mental mistakes kill them week in and week out. Mm-hmm. The, like the games that they lose and the important games that they lose, for example, losing to the San Francisco 49ers in the fashion that they did. There is absolutely no reason why a coach with the amount of experience of Mike McCarthy and your $40 million a year quarterback who's been in the NFL for five years, this should have the lack of situational awareness that happened on that final play. Like there were so many things that were wrong there. Forget the fact that that was not the best play call at that time, given that they had no timeouts. Like, you know way better than to hand the ball to the center to spot. Like, that is peewee football 101, right? Like, that could not – I mean, that is just – it's unbelievable. So the mental mistakes and the focus that they have and those kinds of things, that's what kills them. So, yeah, they can have the best roster on paper, but if you are doing dumb things like that left and right, you're never going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's it's literally like, you know, I understand that they're the best on paper, and you're absolutely right. The Eagles have a good base, but it's not it's not as far fetched as what you would think it would be on paper. No, not at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, Maybe. not at all. And I mean that's like what you saw last year. Everybody was obviously downplaying the Eagles for really good reasons there like but essentially they made it to about the same thing the Dallas Cowboys went when we one week longer and got absolutely embarrassed no they they didn't make it a week longer they both lost wild card weekend oh my gosh why did I think they made it a week longer was it the next day I don't even remember it was so yes because it it would have been so long ago I know. I feel like it was the Sunday. So they made it a day longer and just got embarrassed. Yeah, it was, so the, same, it was the same then, round. It's like, it's like the Eagles, you know, were the seventh seed that they added randomly last year to have an extra team in there for, for the playoffs, right? So, like, the team that really didn't deserve to be there, honestly, they had a successful season given what they the expectations were. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys have Super Bowl aspirations and they still like lay a dud and and they're still essentially at the same level really. Right. 
it's it's it. It, it, it and that's that's what it is right like it's it's unfortunate because for them because you know you have super bowl aspirations i can only imagine how you know well i guess the lakers are still playing so their fans <laughs> are still invested in some capacity but there you go <laughs> but you know like and for, dodgers you never know when they're going to come back so jesus <laughs> and the yankees you know they go back and forth they can't really decide yeah exactly um the penguins did beat the flyers the other night though so at least they got that one going for them flyers are like last in the league right now so, so the flyers are so bad it's it's, They've just had everything that could go wrong for the Flyers has gone wrong for the Flyers. It's really, really bad. So those so, poor guys, we're just not holding anything. We're not holding them to any standard right now. No. <laughs> we're letting them get their footing. Okay. There is no standard. <laughs> so Eagles free agents and and sort of what they do. Yes. I mean, we ran through the list of free agents a, a couple weeks ago. It might have been on our last episode. But just quickly, Steven Nelson, Ryan Kerrigan, Jannard Avery, Derek Barnett, Hassan Ridgeway, Rodney McLeod, Jordan Howard, Anthony Harris, Jason Kroom, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Nate Herbig, Alex Singleton. Um, so Jason Kroom, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Nate Herbig, Alex Singleton, they're all restricted free agents. Everyone else is a an unrestricted free agent. And we pointed this out in our last time we talked about it as well. Other than Jordan Howard, that entire list is defense. Yes. Have I know. And free. so I just, cause I just want to go too, or not too fast, but I want to like just briefly look at this. Cause obviously we'll digest it more as yeah. we get closer and break Thanks. everything down over the weeks. But just initially, who are your people on that list that you are like hundred percent, this person needs to be back. Truthfully, of the unrestricted free agents. Okay, so now that I'm looking at the list, I know what you're about to say, so I'm stopping you real quick. Not 100% needs to be back, but who do you think realistically will be back? I think realistically, if they build their draft board and they are going to focus on defense but they're going to target and value certain positions over another. I would say either Anthony Harris or Rodney McLeod needs to be back. Lean towards Rodney McLeod for his, I don't, I don't want to say like connection with the, just like his tenure, just because Uh I feel like you need that, there. I haven't yeah. seen enough from Marcus Epps or Kayvon Wallace to be able to take over the safety position with potentially another rookie and that be okay. They I need agree. some sort of veteran presence there. And I think if they do what I think they should do as, and, and they've kind of put more of their effort and, and draft focus into drafting a, a corner and a linebacker early and you have those two rookies that are most likely going to be starters, you need at least one more sort of veteran back there, which I would prefer to be Rodney McLeod. Other than that, I don't think any of the, anyone on this list is a hundred percent. Okay. Like, so I think I agree with you on the unrestricted free agents. I say Rodney McLeod, if I could only choose one, I would like him back the most. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Hassan Ridgeway back too. I mean, I think he's got the best 
out of all the defensive line people on that unrestricted list, I think 100%. he is the best one to keep. Um, yeah. And then looking at the restricted free agents, I think – I don't know if it's just because I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but it really depends on what they plan to build in the draft. But Alex Singleton, I would bring him back or, like, keep him just for the fact that – I mean, I think he – is owed it in a way, which is a bad way to look at the business thing. So you never know what the Eagles are going to do. But then Nate Herbig, I think you keep him as well, just because there's so many questions on this offensive line. If Kelsey's going to retire, Lane Johnson's health, you got Brandon Brooks out now. And he's kind of just always been like a guy that can be a placeholder at any spot on the line. So I think you keep Herbig too, just as a defense, like a not defense side of the ball, but just like just in case have him as a backup. I, I'm with you. I think the restricted free agent list is definitely more more a, a tougher one to go through. I yeah. think that the unrestricted list is pretty easy. You know, Rodney McLeod, maybe Hassan Ridgeway. And you can make an argument for Jannard Avery as well, uh, yeah. depending on the money there. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like Steven Nelson, bye. Ryan Kerrigan, bye. Derek Barnett, bye. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Um yeah, I think Boston Scott is, you know, it, he he does help you in, in different ways. Um, Greg Ward, same thing. Nate Herbig, I think I, – Nate Herbig, I think, is the one kind of sure thing you need to make sure comes back. Yeah, I agree. And Alex Singleton, I know what you, I know what you mean. I, I don't know how to explain it better at all. I, I just think – He's just put everything he had into helping this team. Yeah, And, and he, he's not he good enough to be our top linebacker, but I yeah. would keep him – just he's not a bad football player yeah he's not he shouldn't be like you your star linebacker yeah (laughs) um they need a number one he's not it but he's not a bet but if I have to watch him in coverage like I just it just makes (laughs) so like I just I just can't see that anymore so so that's kind of where I'm so through the draft what like what are your and we'll we'll talk about this more. We'll get into it more as the draft gets closer, and you know who we want there, and and specifically. But you know we we've talked about it, and I feel like everyone is kind of on the same page here, and we just hope that the front office is also on the same page. Like, I they need a linebacker, yeah. They need a corner, and I think probably a tackle makes the most sense mm-hmm. in you know in there as well. No, I agree. I think. So obviously the top positions that this team needs to focus on as a whole throughout the offseason and they need to get immediate fixes for them are what you said. You need a linebacker. You need – I would go defensive line. Okay. More of a priority. I don't know. Maybe it's equal to corner. But then um, definitely a wide receiver. But talking about the draft, I think because that defense you're trying to rebuild and you need – it's so old right now. You can keep some of those older pieces to kind of help the younger guys get through. So I think it just makes more sense to draft a linebacker, to draft either a corner or a defensive line guy, and then get a veteran wide receiver. Because that's where you're young. you got Quez Watkins. you got Devontae Smith. you got Jalen Hurts for now. So you just need that veteranism on the wide receiver end. So that will come in free agency. But the other things I think you can fix in the draft because they do have so many, obviously the three first round picks, and then they have so many spare picks that they can use too right. at the end of the draft. So yeah, 
I, I'm definitely, I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, it, it makes so much sense to us, but you never know with Howie. And when's the last time? I mean, I, I bring this up every time and I know it's the nineties, but I never look up the exact date, but it's like since the nineties that they've drafted a linebacker in the first round. No, no, it's the seventies. Oh, seventies. Even better. Yeah. So no, yeah. So you, we always talk about it and they never know the actual date. Yeah. It's been uh, a long time though, before I was born, but we can years, just say that. Uh, it's been actually, um, yeah, I, I, I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are the complete opposite in that they're, the, Howie is fantastic in executing trades. He's great working with the cap. Mm-hmm. He is a horrific evaluator of talent. Yes. Horrific. He's just a brainiac. He doesn't know the actual game. Yes. It's and Jerry is the opposite. They draft extremely, extremely mm-hmm. well. The other stuff, not so much. And, and I just, I need them, I need the Eagles to do something better with their talent evaluation process because I, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal, I, I can't deal with the stupidity anymore. So it's just so, yeah, it's so simple. We do it every single year. We're like, this makes sense. This is the sure pick. This is what ha- like needs to happen. And then it just doesn't happen. And the people we say are right there on the board and it's just avoided because he tries to outsmart the obvious decision and it shows. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's the, the linebacker from Georgia is going to be on the board and he's going to take a linebacker from East West Missouri. TCU or something. Yeah. It's just, it's just so bad. I dude, if he passed up on Nicole Dean and got some other, just, I was going to say a bad word, just, normal linebacker oh I think I would throw my mug against the tv and then I would send a receipt to Howie to pay for it. <laughs> if if he drafts if he is somehow able to draft the corner from Cincinnati and the linebacker from Georgia in the first round I will not say a bad word about him until at least day two 24 hours, I won't say a bad word about Howie Rose. I like that. I like that. So, so would you – where would you um, pick a defensive line? Second or third or fourth? Or, like, is that your third pick whenever they end up keeping? I think that they need to draft a tackle, whether it be offensive or defensive. <laughs> Either one is fine with the third first-round pick and then whichever so one – you think they keep that? That's why I was just saying like their third pick because I don't know if they're going to keep the first. They have – I understand that quarterback – that that I, I get it. I understand that Jalen Hurts might not be the long-term solution, and that's fine. But they just have so many other bigger problems that they need to fill to – by wasting away these first-round picks. No, I agree. And that's why like I don't think they should go and get – a quarterback, like we've said before, I just think that it would make more sense to take one of those first rounders and double up next year. So you have two first rounds this year, two first rounds next year. I don't know how they would do it or what the scenario would be, but I just would prefer. So if, they get, like if they get rid of one of those first, I think you still, you need to then take one of the tackles in the second round and one of the tackles in the third round. I think okay. that yeah. your next two targets. Um, but I really, I think, I think that the first needs to be used on on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, hundred percent. I think everybody's on the board with that. It just makes sense. We just hope that Howie's on on board with that, right? 
I did see somebody say that they think um, defensive edge rusher, I think they were talking about, um, should be brought in as a veteran, so in free agency. Which is fine as long as it's not Ryan Kerrigan. But I also just think that doesn't make sense because we already are so old on the line. So but, if and we have- bring, but if you bring in somebody that's like a Derek Barnett age, Derek Barnett's so like our age. High 20s, yeah. It's not, you know, he's not old. It just, his his time has run out. Yeah, I want to clarify real quick. You said, or I said high 20s, and you said our age. We are not technically high 20s yet, okay? 26, still median 20. Just want to point I mean, that out for the listeners. we're late 20s. We're closer to 30 than 20. Nope, median. You say so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, I think that some someone like that, that just, they ran out there. Okay, yeah. So I don't consider that a real veteran, though. I mean, but the, but do you think about it? He was drafted right before the Super Bowl. That was five years ago. He's five years in the NFL. Wow. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so th- that's that's the difference. So like, I don't need a ten year vet. I don't I don't want a Ryan Kerrigan age vet because he did nothing. Yeah. I want someone who's Derek Barnett's age, but better than Derek Barnett. Yeah. Okay. I can see that then. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other things that are going on in the sports world of Philadelphia. There are some good, there are some bad, but mostly good. You're listening to The Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into episode number 78 of Babes on Broad. So we took you through the football talk and that whole scenario and so much to come with that. But Jess, one good thing that was brought to Philly, James Harden is now a 76er and everything just got so much brighter in Philadelphia for once. And thank you. Please, please just stay holy. James Harden showed up and it got to be 60 degrees in Philly. Yeah, he brought everything nice. 
a great, a great day, honestly. And I think I, it's, the, the media and how they've spun this is wild to me. I, I physically, like, it, it blows my mind how we got to where we are. I, I don't know how it happened. But I think that ultimately, I didn't think last year was the right option. Like, the, the trade last year was not the right move, right? Like, where they were, how they were playing, when James Harden was moved, that was not the right time. Trading Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, and multiple first-round picks no. last season was not the right decision no. for James Harden, right? Like, that was not the right decision. I wasn't even – when it was a talk for this trade, I wasn't even willing to give up Maxey or Thibel, no. especially because he was going to be a possible free agent at the end of the year. So – it just it made no sense to give up one of our young, potentially great talents for James Harden for a year. Right. Right. And you didn't and you didn't know, right? Like yeah. and, and it was it was a big question. So then, you know, he he goes to to Brooklyn and then everything, you know, with Ben Simmons unfolds you, or doesn't unfold. I, I don't know how you want to categorize that mess. But so that situation happens. That is what it is. So you were able to get James Harden, a future Hall of Famer, one of the best shooters in the NBA for not mortgaging your future. They gave up the, the first pick is an unprotected 2027. 20, yeah, something first round pick. Like next year's first round pick does not help you on this Joel Embiid's prime trying to win a title, right? Like Agreed. the first round pick is not going to help you immediately. So that's irrelevant. That doesn't matter. First round picks in the NBA are so much different, especially in later rounds or, in, you know, later in the round than it is with the NFL. Like it's a, it's a completely different animal. Yeah. So I, it bumps it's me more they had to, um... and they couldn't get like a Patty Mills back. It bums me out that they do not have a backup center. Um, but I am really excited to see James Harden play with Joel Embiid and even though he didn't actually, he, quote, missed the deadline to sign the player option, there's a rumor floating around that he did that on purpose. He's going to decline the option, sign for less money to stay here. That way they can either try to move Tobias or restructure Tobias in some capacity to make room for another star caliber player to add one more piece to to really build this thing out so oh, that rumor man it gave me chills that could be something i know Ugh, i try to get my hopes not too high you know but no it is something so exciting and i and i agree daryl Morey pulling off that trade in general was just something spectacular but um i mean it does it's obviously it sucks that we had to give up Drummond and uh, Seth Curry. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like, yeah, they were good and you would like to have them, but they're also not right. James Harden talent. You know sure. what I mean? So it, we by far won that trade. And Daryl Morey did fantastic. Daryl Morey did. I mean, they they won so much more than they would have had they done that trade last year. I th That was not the right time to do the trade, and I think Daryl Morey is phenomenal for not getting bullied into that. And I don't think I don't think the Houston Rockets ever had any intention of doing that deal with Daryl Morey, and I think that 
the fact that he held firm and not offering too much, like, I think that was great. And I'm so, and, and, you know, I think that he did so good too, because he was getting so much flack just by everybody that was over the situation or Ben Simmons situation and just wanted him out of the city. And they wanted to literally sell him for nothing. And I'm just so happy that Maury saw what he could get there and wasn't willing to just be like, yeah, take this potential all-star that everybody talks about and give me some no name. Right. Like it made no sense. And I was, I would have been furious. Yeah. And especially if you do that and you include Matisse Thibel in that deal, who in the hell is playing defense at all? Like you, you meet up, you match up with a, with an elite scorer in the playoffs in any capacity without Matisse Thibel's defense, you are toast. I don't care who is on your off, like who is playing offense for you. You are toast if you have to just go bucket for bucket. Look at the way that the Nets played last year, right? Like they played, they could have swept the Boston Celtics last year, right? Like the Celtics were playing abysmal towards the end of the season and going into the playoffs. They could have swept them. The one game was like 150 to 148. Like that was one of the final scores of one of their games. Had the Boston or had the Brooklyn Nets played a lick of defense, that game would have been 150 to 100. Like yeah. Any semblance of defense that would have changed the story, right? Any semblance of defense, game seven against the you know Bucks, seven game series might have gone a little bit different. So you need. I, I know Matisse Thybul isn't the offensive product we'd like him to be at this point, but my God, he is so good on the defensive end. Yeah. Without that at all, I, I mean that it, it doesn't. I'm not saying Matisse Thybul is the the X factor in a championship or not. But it makes me much more uneasy about where they can go if Matisse Thibel and someone who you can rely on in a situation where you you need a big steal, you need a big stop, you need something, you, you don't have anybody to rely on. Like that's not great. Yeah, I so agree. I think but... they they absolutely won the trade. I think obviously oh, yeah. you haven't seen any really real play from either of you know these players yet um obviously the game against the boston celtics the other night was not great um they lost by 50 it was really just unfortunate to watch the boston celtics also what they make like 22 threes it was wild they're shooting yeah i don't even yeah i don't even lost to the detroit pistons what is i'm saying like that was a fluke i don't even oh yeah It doesn't stress me out. And that's the thing, too, is like, yeah, Harden's barely played this season and Ben's not played at all this season. But obviously, I mean, Harden's... Did you see this? James Mm -hmm. Harden has played more games for the Brooklyn Nets than Kevin Durant. Wow. Yep. Because he was hurt so much. Yeah. That James Harden played more games... For the Brooklyn Nets than Kevin Durant. Well, and that's why James Harden, because like I feel like Kevin Durant's kind of everybody's trying to paint it out like James Harden is like a locker room cancer because he wasn't happy um, with the Nets and stuff. But it just it makes no sense to me because I mean, like you just said, KD always gets hurt or always gets hurt, and then 
you like that? Katie always gets hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Katie nice. always gets hurt. And then Kyrie, I, as soon as he Kyrie's refused to get the vaccine and all that stuff, it just tore whatever dynamic trio they had in mind apart. And ben I think that Simmons was the end for James. has been at more games. Ben Simmons hasn't played an NBA game this year and has been courtside for one NBA game with the team he's on. And it's been more than Kyrie. Kyrie, like Ben Simmons has spent more time at the Barclays center than Kyrie Irving has this season. Think about that for a second. Like it's just, it's a lot. And truthfully also like, I sort of understood the Steve Nash hiring logic, but also like, I don't really think that's going to ultimately pan out. Not when you had um, yeah. egos like you did brought in. You know what I mean? I think you needed an established older coach to really tame those out if they were going to yeah. work. I just think collectively between Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, I just think James Harden was probably like, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing myself no. out. <laughs> and it was in the Nets' best interest to say, okay, what can we get for him? Yeah. Instead of having given up four first round picks and then get nothing in return. So, but so that was awesome. Daryl Morey is now the president of Philadelphia. Of my <laughs> entire life. Yes. And then um, the not so good not so other good. spring sport we got coming up, hopefully it's a spring sport, is the MLB. And that um, they're supposed to have another meeting to work on this whole lockout contract negotiation thing today. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously we don't have the information yet. The last time they met though, it didn't really go anywhere. And basically what's happening now there, it's so much to even get into. It really doesn't, I don't even understand everything you're arguing. And I actually read the whole articles, you know, but um, basically now the most recent thing that came out is because of the fact that the major leaguers are trying to fight for minor leaguers, right. And get them paid housing during the season and just higher pay in general. Now the owners, the last negotiation they had, I guess it was sometime last week. Um, they basically were just like, well, yeah. Okay. So like maybe we can pay you guys a little higher, but we're going to basically cut out a hundred minor leaguers. So they're trying to take like, I'm being exaggerating or I'm doing a hyperbole right there. I'll say, but it's not really that much. But they are trying to basically cut out, like, the whole A-ball system so that, yeah, the, it looks like they're paying more to their minor leaguers, but really they're not. They just have fewer to pay. So, I mean, we'll see. When the owners have that kind of mindset, kind of makes you not have too much of hope. But hopefully they just get closer. Spring training was supposed to begin this past Tuesday of this week. So, yeah, I'm a, li- I'm a little sad in my world, Jess, you know. Yeah, I just I I I get I don't understand why it's such an issue to pay the minor league players. It's just like, because I, they're so greedy. Like so greedy. I know. It's it's in that like what's wild to me is like most minor league players have to do like other things. Like a lot of minor league players are like 
delivering pizza on their off days because they don't make enough money in the minor leagues. But like the major league players make a ridiculous amount. The minor league players are supposed to always be ready if they have to go up there. And the owners are just like literally like Scrooge McDuck taking like, like diving into their vault of money, rolling around and swimming. And you've got minor league players that just, it's the whole thing to me is, so wild yeah and i i i would just love to know like how like some especially how some of these minor league players feel about it because i feel like you have to feel great about the fact that the major league players are willing to sacrifice to make to get you in a better position but also then you're not making your money you know what well, I mean and that's that's one of the things though that is so tough about it. like yeah like major leaguers thank you so much for thinking about the minor leaguers but I mean obviously like I'm right in it with Dion you know what right. I mean so like it sucks in the fact that his age group's really getting affected the most recently because they missed one of their prime development years because of COVID already uh-huh. and then and even Dion like luckily he was called up to their taxi squad site and everything part of that 60 man. But like a lot of them, they just missed that whole season completely for COVID. And then now they're missing part of this season. Hopefully it's only a small part, but now they're missing part of this in another crucial year of their development, you know? So it's just like, yeah, like, thank you. But it's also just causing so much. And then if they do end up cutting out a ball that just loses hundreds of jobs right there. And it's just, it sucks. Um, Mark Apple from, He's one of the Phillies minor leaguers. He's in AAA. He was a former first round pick for him. Um, he had a really good thread out on Twitter. And maybe like we, I can retweet it again or something so people can see it if they're interested. But it was really just like to show the minor league side of it. And he was like, thank God I was a first rounder. So I signed for like a million. You know what I mean? He had the money. But he was just saying like how a lot of his teammates are. And one of his suggestions, and I thought it was a great point. It kind of went with what you were saying. And the fact that, like, if they really wanted to, like, continue paying them the, like, 4000 a month. And I think that's even high. Like, 4000 a month is, like, if you're a good AAA guy. Most of these guys are making maybe 2000 a month. It's, it's terrible when you look at it. And it's only during the season. So, like, one of the things he was, like, pay them four grand a month and then just, like, do it year round or something. Or, like, the two grand a month or whatever you want to pay. But do it year round so these guys don't have to get other jobs like take a real investment in them because one of his things is like yeah you're in the minor leagues and you're expected to be major league ready at all the times but most of these guys don't have money for the off-season training and they don't have enough money to live by their training sites and facilities down in florida or arizona you know what i mean so it's just so much that goes into it and they're just going about it the wrong way like they don't think, and that's the thing is the owners, they don't see it as a real investment to make the game better, which needs improvement anyway, with just the lack of interest from the general public now, but it, it's, they see it as just money for them. And that's the problem. And that's where it's just like, and Rob Manfred, the commissioner is just like them. He sees it as a money thing. He doesn't see it as a historic game that needs to build the audience once again and needs to take care of their players properly. They're just in it for money. And that's what sucks about it. Do you think that narrowing down the, like paring down the number of minor league teams would help with that? 
Like, no, not at this point. Cause they already cut out, um, short season teams. So like there are three levels of A-ball or were when I was even in college. So as recent as four years ago. And that's why I worked with the short season single A for the Philadelphia Phillies. That's where I really got my foot in the door with the cross cutters and Williamsport. And so that league's already gone. Short season league's already gone. And now they're talking about cutting out another one. And it's just like, you, what? Like, so, but then, they I don't should, know. but if they do that, they should, did they also, I have no idea. Did they also scale back the number of rounds in the draft and like number of players that are taken? Yeah. So that was, that's already in effect right now. I'm not sure if it's like a permanent effect or if it's just like a few years after COVID effect kind of thing or what well, they plan to do with it, but it is it's 20. There's, there's so many players. And I think that, you know, like, you know, obviously like there's a lot of players on an NFL roster and then the NBA has, you know, the, the G league. And then there's a lot of opportunities overseas and things for, for other like players to go, go and go that route. Um, but I think, you know, like it, it's not that I agree with any of the owners mm-hmm. in any capacity at all, but I think that that could be an interesting solution. So, but it's also like, then these guys aren't just like trapped in the minors forever, right? Like they're not like in this like endless cycle of wherever they start and they, you know, spend seven years trying to work their way up and they work their way up for seven years, but then they're still not close enough. Like if you have only three to four levels of minor league baseball that they have the ability to, then only like the best players really get taken and maybe expand the, the major league rosters in some capacity and the money still has to change the money and yeah. how them and how this whole thing operates still needs to change. The tough part I think about cutting out levels is you really have to just restructure everything at that point in sure. my eyes, just because of the fact that you are allowed to get drafted out of high school. But if you only have two or three levels before you're a major league guys, you, it's just, it hurts the development process. You can't expect a guy from high school to come out and play against a four-year, co- four or five-year college guy, and be as good or better, and so then change it like they did with, with, um, with basketball. I'm sorry, football. And yeah, even, I, maybe, maybe I mean, they and then, can't come right just, out of high school. You have to do a certain number of college college years. If you don't declare after a certain year, you yeah. Have to I mean, you're right, but it's just yeah, they'd have to restructure a lot. It's not an impossible theory at all. It's just you have to restructure a lot. Because then you'd have a lot of people arguing and be like, well, then a pitcher, I think it mostly affect pitchers because those are usually the guys that get taken out of high school. Um, so it, you just have the argument, okay, well, this guy was great and could have been drafted out of high school and he had to go play two years in college and now he threw out his arm and he'll never make a dime. You know what I mean? I so that's, think that impacts... I also think, uh, truthfully, though, like just from from in my personal opinion, I think that would be beneficial in a non-major league setting because I know way too many people that because of the way that baseball drafts and because of the way that, especially for pitchers, the way that the the whole MLB operates and what – these you know ranked in high school kids feel they don't have lives because of it because they work so hard to try to go right out of high school and I honestly think that what I'm seeing now just based on being married to a sports coach Mm -hmm. like 
and just watching some of these kids, the way they go through recruiting processes and things like that. Like, do you remember when you were a kid, like you did everything. We did everything. We were, no, I agree. I played soccer. I was a dancer. I played softball. I swam. Like I did all of these things. And then eventually I figured out what I liked to do. And it wasn't that I was dying over it because I wanted it to be my future, but I, I found what I liked to do. And then I did other things as well. There are kids that have to like make these decisions when they're in like eighth grade, what they want their thing to be. And they then have to choose and they're doing all of this stuff where they have to decide whether they want to play football or commit to baseball and do travel baseball. No, I agree with, I agree with you a hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent and I don't agree with it, but I don't think that's a baseball problem. That's a society. No, it's not a baseball problem. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm just like, in that fact, I'm like, ah, that doesn't really matter to baseball because even if they can't get drafted right out of high school, they're still going to have to be forced to choose in middle school. And then. But I think it also, but they don't kill themselves in high school where their window is smaller because they're going to to die by that. I I I seen it more with baseball players, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it it just. But I definitely see it more with baseball players. Yeah, I think you're right. I just disagree with it because I think even if so, if they're not working their tails off, (laughs) my 50 year old woman phrase, they're not working their tails off to be drafted right out of high school. They're going to put in the same work and work, have that work ethic just to get drafted by the best programs. You know what I mean? So I I don't think that will necessarily affect it. But also, I mean, we could talk forever about it because it's so much about MLB lockout and so much that goes into it. But if this what we're talking about now all had to get changed. We wouldn't have a season at all this year. So that's why I'm oh, like, eh, I don't <laughs> think they're, yeah. So I don't think they're going to really change that much. I hope they just get a short agreement at least in. And then, I mean, what we said, like they're not bad ideas to change the system to get more people to like the game and rebuild it. But yeah, you don't start negotiating that in January. <laughs> and you don't, that that's not going to be, yeah, it's it's not going to get anywhere right now with exactly the greedy owners. All Maybe down the line, it wouldn't be the worst thing. But they could agree on a universal DH, though. Yeah, they could agree I think on that. It. Is an afterthought, but we'll see. <laughs> I was like, why? Why is this the one thing that we can we can agree on? Whatever. Right? I just want a baseball season. Let's hope and pray. Maybe by please. next, we'll have at least some sort of update on on where yes, it will be. But. We are going to wrap this one up for for the day, for the week. So thank you for listening to episode 78 of Babes on Broad. As always, thank you to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure you're following for all of the Eagles offseason coverage as well as we get into the draft, especially lots of good things coming from there. And we will talk to you next week.